When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just, just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. I have an amazing episode for you this week. I'm bringing on none other than the pioneer of Sasquatch everything, Ron Moorhead. Um, Ron is best known for capturing what are now um, referred to as the Sierra sounds. Um, It was the audio that was caught in 1971 uh, while on a hunting expedition. Uh, I'll let Ron go into all the details, but if you've heard what's supposed to be the sound of a Sasquatch, it's from Ron's. <laughs> uh, it's from Ron's recordings. These are amazing. They've been t- they've been tested scientifically. They've been put up against crypto linguists to to see if it was some kind of hoax or forgery. Um, the the tapes were reviewed. They were checked for any kind of splicing. Nothing was found. And for 50 years, Ron has stood on this. So I'm going to introduce him. Um, I have a bio here that I'm, I'm going to read straight from to explain who Ron is. Well, and But when I get him on the show, you know how it goes. We're going to have a conversation. And I hope that um, he, he can feel comfortable. I hope that it, it bears good fruit for everybody who listens. All right. Now, Ron has been known for decades for his worldwide research into the Bigfoot Sasquatch phenomenon. He's an author, researcher, lecturer, experiencer, and producer of the Sierra Sounds. To date, he comes closer than any other researcher to have a complete body of evidence because he also has casts, you know, footprint casts. Um, The Sierra Sounds are the only recordings to have been scientifically studied, time-tested, and accredited as genuine. Ron has documented his personal interactions with these giant beings and produced his story on a CD and also in a book, Voices in the Wilderness. You can go to ronmoorhead.com for that stuff, but I'll, I'll put that in the show, no- show notes and I'll let him talk all about that too, in order to try to understand the enigmas associated with these giants. He began to delve into quantum physics for the scientific answers that he and his hunting friends experienced, and as a result, he wrote another thought-provoking book, The Quantum Bigfoot. Quantum Bigfoot is sitting right here beside me. Um, I've read it. I read it a couple years ago. 
very interesting. I would recommend it for to be in anybody's library if you're into Bigfoot at all. Ron now resides with his partner, Carrie, in North Carolina, but has traveled from Alaska to Patagonia and from North America to Siberia in search of the truth to how these beings are able to stay so hidden from classical science. Besides being the keynote speaker at many conventions, he has been featured on countless radio programs and TV documentaries such as The Learning Channel and The Travel Channel, and most recently here at The Bump Podcast. <laughs> I just can't wait to get him on here. I'm excited. Um, I offered, if I needed to, to take a day off work just to talk to him. Um, so we're doing it on a weekend. Uh, it's just the time frame that works best for both of us. Um, I'll go ahead and send Ron the link to get on here. But uh, in the meantime, I want to encourage everybody to check out social media. Um, TikTok's growing. Instagram's growing slowly, but I've added something on there. It's the Believer Hotline. It's the the bump phone. If you're on YouTube right now, it's it's the phone I'm holding up. This phone I have it specifically for this podcast. If you have any kind of uh, little note you want to leave, you send me a voicemail. If you've had an experience that's not long enough, you feel like for a long, you know, for an hour long show, but you want to get it off your chest. Send me a voicemail. I'll put it on the show. Or maybe we can contact each other and talk and, you know, get you on an episode. If you just want to shoot a text, go ahead. Like I, I offered for people to contact me for this specific episode. If you're already on Instagram, you know that. Um, to send me questions through the, you know, through the text. And I can ask Ron, you know, on air pretty much as it happens. So check it out. The The number to the bump hot phone or the Believer hotline is 304-812-0553. I've had this exclusively for members and patrons for probably six months or so. And uh, I just want to expand and open up the community as much as possible. Um, I think I actually got that idea from the guys at uh, Hollow Sky, you know, but I thought it was a wonderful idea. Why not? Why not open it up to make ourselves more accessible? Um, there's also uh, a mailing address for the Bump Podcast. If there's a book you want me to review or read, if there's uh, some decals you want to send me in exchange for some of the uh, some decals for my podcast, we can do that. Or just whatever, you know, just make it more fun, just more interactive to make sure that I'm accessible for you guys because I want to help you all. If you have any problems, uh, I want to be here for you. You know, I just want to want to be more than just a show. You know what I mean? I want to be personal with you guys. Um, that address is the Bump Podcast at P.O. Box 1453 in Chapmanville. C-H-A-P-M-A-N-V-I-L-L-E, West Virginia, 25508. Holler at me. If you can't get a hold of me on email, Facebook, Instagram, um, TikTok, text message, snail mail, then you don't want to get a hold of me. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, send Ron the invite and bring him on. Are you ready for me? Ready for you, Ron. How's it going, man? Bigger thing came up on the screen here. Being recorded. Also, okay. Got it. I'll put that. There we go. Hi, Bo. How are you today? I'm I'm doing fantastic. And Ron, I know we talked off the air, but thanks again 
for coming on the show, uh, for agreeing to do this. I'm I'm sorry to hit you on a Saturday, but oh no, that was, that was it's a good idea. I can do it any day. Just uh, you know, this works for me. So in between conferences and other podcasts, so it works good. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Um, uh, like I said, the 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 floor is yours to talk about whatever you want to. Um, so I'm going to just back off. I'm going to hit mute on my mic. If you want to start with, you know, what happened leading up to the night of the Sierra sounds, if you want to talk about anything else, if you want to talk about what you had for breakfast, I don't care. <laughs> it, it, it's your show, man. Okay. Uh, well, it's our show. Uh, so you just jump in when you want to, and I'll be here. All right. All I'm right. responsible for the Sierra Sounds, which we recorded them in 1971 in a remote uh, hunting camp. I was uh, invited in there to go back with a guy that wouldn't go in back by himself to check on the other hunters who were uh, late coming out. So we got up there, and it's about eight miles into the wilderness from the closest place you can park to, and and uh, it's 8,400 feet in elevation. Very imposing area to get to, but it's a pristine area to hunt because nobody else is there. And anyway, they'd been experiencing these, uh, what they call monsters. They weren't sure what it was, but he got scared off and came out and uh, he invited me back because the wives were worried because the guys hadn't come back. But, but we got up there and uh, I saw my first track then and I heard what they'd been recording that happened to the Johnson brothers who who uh, first encountered them. They've been habituating the camp and hunting there since 1958. So they've been there a long time. How long these things might've been uh, uh, examiner looking at them or watching them or something they don't know nobody knows a lot of things they just put off the bear because Bigfoot was not on anybody's radar it just wasn't something that anybody was thinking about that including me so when uh, Donald came out and told me that uh, he wanted me to you know if I would accompany him back up there I, I went right ahead and did it because they're all my friends and uh, that's how I got involved in the camp really so I started going back there as often as I could and uh and I started to take a recorder up myself. We had little cassette recorders that we were using. And then uh, when the winter snow takes us out of there, which was 1972, the winter, uh, uh, Warren Johnson, the leader of a group who's now passed away, he, he contacted a, a cryptozoologist, uh, Ivan Sanderson. Ivan Sanderson uh, uh, read the 23-page letter that Warren wrote him, and he thought somebody pulled his leg. Uh, and then he, so he sent it off to Peter Byrne, who was in Oregon, and uh, Peter thought the same thing. This doesn't happen. Uh, Peter says, you see Bigfoot more than once in your life. It's like getting hit by lightning twice. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, he thought he'd get a hold of Alan Berry, who lived in California closer to us, to see if he wanted to interview us and talk to us. And he did. Alan Berry, working for a newspaper as an investigative reporter, who also had a master's degree in science, uh, came down and started talking to us individually and together. And he, we listened to some sounds we recorded him invited him up there in 1972. And I didn't know until years later that uh, they were all thinking it was a hoax. <laughs> he went up there thinking it was a hoax. And we didn't know that at the time, but uh, we, we went in with him or took him in. And, and he uh, recorded and started encountering the same thing. And he was still looking for who could be pulling this off up here. No, nobody gets multiple encounters like this, you know. And, uh, so we started trying to rig up camera traps and do all kinds of things to get a picture, but we never could outfox these things. They, they seemed out with us each time. We were thinking of them as like an ape in the woods that hadn't been discovered, just uh, something unknown. Uh, and <clears throat> we call them Bigfoot because they had a big foot. <laughs> I mean, 
the tracks they leave are huge. And uh, they, we found a little nine inch track though in, in the snow with an 18 inch track one time. So it showed us or told us that there's probably a mother and an adolescent there. And then, then later on, I recorded them in 1974, the adolescent and the mother talking to it. And she was also yelling out at me at that time. So anyway, it was in uh, 2000, 2008 when a crypto, Navy uh, cryptolinguist no, crypto retired from the Navy as a two-time graduate of the Language Institute of Technology, uh, now the DOD in Monterey, California, who uh, worked for the Navy, uh, was in the Navy for his life or career, and retired and was teaching foreign languages in Missouri. Heard the sounds by accident on the BFRO.net, .org, <laughs> I guess it is. He, he had to get a hold of me, and he finally did. And, uh, he came out all the way from Missouri into California, where we were, and interviewed us, and we believed that he was real, and uh, vetted him quite well through that institute, and got a letter from them saying, he's a two-time graduate, he's more than qualified to study these, these sounds. That's why he studies in, in his crypto, as a crypto-linguist, his, his codes being intercepted, or languages that's being intercepted from another country or from foreign sources, see if it is a code or if it's a language. There's any deception in those language? Uh, you may not know the language, but one of the tests that they have on the just to graduate is you got to learn a brand new language that you've never heard before. You, you know, just sounds. So he's more than qualified. There's probably a handful of these guys in the world that can do what he does. It's thrilled as he does. So he took them and studied them for a year, and he he uh, came back. What we were recording today. They were above and below and inside the average human range. Dr. Curlin, uh, who originally studied them in 1978, I think it was, at the University of Wyoming, who is an electrical engineer, and he, he said that they were outside the human range. They represented an animal compared to the human vocal mechanism. It was eight foot tall. And... Uh, so there's where you go with it. That's where I went with it for a long time because it's a big, it's it's outside the human range, but yet they have a language. And only humans are supposed to have a language. With Dr. Lieberman at Brown University, uh, Al Berry went to him first to try to get some get him to look at because he's a primate researcher in, in cognitive uh, languages. And uh, he said that only humans have the vocal mechanisms language. So he he told Alberry, he thought Alberry was just a former student that he was blunt and was trying to pull a hoax on him. So he, he, he wouldn't, uh, wouldn't take him, wouldn't, wouldn't play the game, he thought. But Alberry had never met him, never went there before. So he also contacted another uh, PhD in uh, Washington, Washington State University. And he came out with a, uh, <clears throat> said, this is, played some of the sounds for a student, said, this is how people hoax you. <laughs> like that. So you couldn't get any scientists really to take them on seriously until Dr. Curlin did at the University of Wyoming. Al said, I just want an unbiased opinion. Are these real and, uh, or not? And uh, so Dr. Curlin studied them for a year and wrote his paper and presented it to the Anthropology Unknown at the University of British Columbia in 1978. So that kind of took it to a nice level, but uh, academia still couldn't get off, they cut their head out of their paradigm that, these have to be a, a, some kind of a gorilla or something running around the woods up north. And, uh, <clears throat> because the gorillas aren't supposed to be up here, you know, <laughs> in the north. Uh, anyway, that's where I go with it now. If they, if they, number one, if they are outside the human range, and they are, 
uh, yet inside the human range. <coughs> Represented an animal eight foot tall, uh, and you got a cryptolinguist, a two-time graduate of the language school for the government, who says it's a language. You got Brown University uh, cognitive researcher uh, Dr. Lieberman says that only humans can have that. That to me, that puts a human component within the ones that we dealt with up there. So I, I got to say, I don't think they are all the same. I think what we dealt with up there is something sapient. And we could not fox them. We just tried. <laughs> it always step ahead of us. It seems like trying to do that. Yeah, that's incredible. And I, I appreciate you going from, you know, from from the guys at camp in 1958 up until, you know, BFRO uh, having a, a, a link on there that you know crypto was got a hold of. Um, at that time, when you went in there to help, you know, just to check on the guys that were late coming out. When you went in there and you, you've heard these stories, what kind of things were they saying was going on there? Because, you know, it must have been going on for a decade or longer before. Well, not the sounds. Uh, they only got those sounds one night uh, in 1971 early when the Johnson brothers went there by themselves. Okay. And they just check out the camp. It's like a sanctuary for them up there. You know, they've been going there for years and uh, hunting ground never didn't get a, a deer when you was hunting for one. <laughs> And they're just uh, one of those places. They came out and told the other guys they hunted with, which was uh, my friends, and uh, said there's some kind of a monster up there. And uh, of course, they all thought, mm, monsters? What do you mean monsters? Right. <laughs> so they all went back up, all high-powered guns, by the way. They didn't go without being armed well. And uh, they uh, they ran into you know, having that same thing. That one guy, like I said, got scared off the morning after he got up there. Wow. He just wouldn't go back without some company. So I went back. And that got me involved. And like I say, they were my friends. And they uh, invited me to join their hunting camp. So I did. And I started taking recorders up there, too. This happened for several years. It was going on. We didn't talk about it too much because it's kind of unbelievable uh, what went on. And, but what makes it really incredible now is the science that's behind it. You know, the doctors, the professionals that's chimed in on it. And... Uh, and that's why I don't go away and the sounds don't go away because <clears throat> number one, they're real. Right. And it's taken me around the world though, checking out different enigmas and different uh, people that are reporting these things. And it's just been an incredible journey for me for the last 50 some odd years. And yeah, I, I'd say so. <laughs> I'd say so. Uh, what gave you the courage? Cause I, you know, I listened to the Sierra sound. I've, I've probably listened to it a hundred times, you know, <laughs> You, you can you can find it on you know anywhere on the internet. Go to Google, hit Sierra Sounds. But if it's okay, if I would have your permission, I'm not going to play it while we're talking because I I know you've heard them. Uh, but would it be okay if I splice this in to the to the show at some point? Sure. If I knew which one you was going to play, I would give you a little background on it. Okay. Um, Unless you know the background. It's a uh, it's like a four minute segment. We're in for a night, Bill.
somebody's trying to talk to this. I guess it's you. Is that you on there? That's that's me yeah. answering back. Yeah. How did you get so bold, Ron? Well, I mean, for real. Yeah. <laughs> Here it is. Yeah. It started for us in 1971, and these things were making some really rowdy sounds outside our shelter. We all went inside the shelter, and then they would start to <coughs> mess with it. Excuse me. And uh, this didn't happen. This interaction thing that you're going to play here, Mark Pullman's song. It, it didn't happen until 1974. By then, we kind of figured they weren't going to eat us. 
Okay. They hadn't they hadn't taken us away in our sleeping bags. You know, they weren't molesting us in any way or taking tearing our shelter apart. Nothing like nothing like a bear might do. And so we thought we were getting kind of brave and doing things like just trying to interact with them because we knew there was something unique, but uh, we didn't know how unique. We kept the camp a pretty good secret where where it is and where it was, and uh, we that's that's bold. I I, I wasn't afraid. Let's put it that way. Because right. fear is your enemy, and anytime you fear something too much, you're gonna get in trouble with it. Because the other man that's inside of you is gonna say. <laughs> Say, hey, you better get away from this monster, you know. But by then, uh, we were trying to have fun with it, really. Uh, it was exciting, I got to tell you, because we only got glimpses of them occasionally. Wow. And this night in 74 uh, is when I got a glimpse of one, and so did my friend Bill, just the two of us in camp. And uh, we had packed some supplies in with our horses and mules, and we were there early. And uh, we got there uh, and noticed, we, we knew that they had already been there when we got there. So... <coughs> Excuse me, I should have got some water before I sat down. You good? <clears throat> anyway, um, uh, it was exciting. And when they started saying something, I don't know what they were saying. They sounded like they were asking a question. I started mimicking back, and you'll hear that on the tape. But uh, it's, I don't know what they were saying. But according to the crypto linguists, they slowed down their vocalizations to possibly something we could understand. And they were trying to say something to me. To this day, I don't know what it was. I think I'm so analytical. I was thinking, you know, they couldn't be speaking to me, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they, they were, and it's kind of obvious. <coughs> Excuse me, I got a frog in my throat or something. And uh, so, anyway, Bill got a glimpse of one that night too, and that was 1974. So it was three years after it originally started, and uh, that's how I felt. Was just exuberated. You know, it was. I thought I thought they were going to let us ride on their shoulder because they hadn't even uh, interacted with us while we were outside the shelter. Always while we we're inside the shelter, and the shelter just makes you logs leaned up against a cable that's wrapped around these circle trees, circle of trees. Yeah, that's where we usually stayed and, uh, at night. We always stayed there at night, not usually. Of course, the camp was really dismantled in nineteen. <coughs> this is two thousand fifteen. And uh, the Forestry Service got a, got a wind of it or got a hold of it or something, I think probably from a, a pack service that took the Johnson Brothers in there one time because uh, they got older, they didn't like to walk in there pretty much. All right. They'd come back, pack the deer out for them. So but Bill and I had the horses and animals. So when we went up there and they went up when it was hunting season, we, we could pack the, the game out on our horses' mules. And uh, it was a lot of fun, really. I so we'll just get back in there. And, we never went up there without firearms. So people say, we can't have guns with these things. Well, you can. They know your intention, I think, because they're a little bit further advanced than most people want to give them credit for. Especially if they have language. You know, that means there's something going on. There's something mixed in there with humans. Yeah. And that's the, the uh, gene. We've all been thinking that we're the most powerful thing on Earth because we build houses, cars, all that stuff. Well, I'm not so sure. They'll probably survive the next catastrophe, but I'm not sure we will. Right. <laughs> Leah, you know, you, you brought up a good point too about, you know, it had been this, you know, this long that you didn't feel threatened anymore. Um, so that, that would enable you to, to, to be bolder, I guess, but that they are a higher, a higher being than what most people give them credit for, because yes, they have language, but also they were watching you. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they, they know when you're in camp, they know when you're inside your shelter, that when it's okay for them to kind of slip out from, you know, from their coverings, that they're smart enough to stay stealth around you. I got to say this, uh, I don't think they're all the same. What do you mean? They're not the same. Uh, I believe in aliens. I believe they've been here on this planet for eons. I think they mess with the genome of different species on this planet. That's where you get the dog man. That's where you get Bigfoot. That's where you get all kinds of crazy things people are seeing. Uh, similar to the Skinwalker Ranch, if you ever heard about that. Oh, yeah. And uh, Native American lore talks about that stuff. And uh, I've done my research. I've been all over the globe, really. I've been into Peru, Bolivia, uh, Moscow, Siberia, uh, Nepal, uh, just looking for stuff, you know, and uh, finding things and talking to people about it. And so uh, it, it opens my eyes up to realize, you know, you see these megalith structures all over the world, you know, that some kind of advanced intelligence and technology has been on this planet before. Things that challenge what we can do today. And uh, in fact, I don't think we can do some of the stuff I've seen today. And I've seen skeletal remains of uh, not human people. And that was the uh, Arrakis skulls down in Peru. And we weighed them, checked them out. They're about 25 to 30%. <coughs> more brain. Is that bothering you? Sorry. No, it's not bothering me. I mean, if you if you need to get something to drink, that's no problem. I can pause yeah, it. We'll pause it in a minute and I'll do that if it gets any okay. worse. Uh, but anyway. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Cut me off already. <laughs> I'm talking too much. No, no, no. Uh, no they they had more brain matter, but you know, people say, well, the Incas they they cradle boarded their kids, you know, their youth. Yeah, yeah they yeah. did, but they were mimicking the <coughs> free people, you know, the Paracas right. people, which yeah, we think we think were uh, were responsible for the megalithic structures down there, which I think they moved through sound technology. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, speaking of being bold, for for us to claim to to create these megalithic structures, yeah. that's a pretty bold statement. Uh, yeah, you can't uh, buy that one. <laughs> and and why would they be you know cradle boarding heads unless they're trying to recreate something that they see and that they revere, right? That's what we were trying to recreate it, though, so they could maybe do what they did, you know, which was move these big boulders over a hundred tons up on this. Well, it's mountain, 13,000 feet, you know, put them together like a jigsaw puzzle. Right. Uh, this is all over Peru, up, up the upper area of Peru, and in Bolivia, and Tuanaku, uh, all those places. Uh, and then I've been into uh, uh, the Mayan ruins quite a bit. And uh, there's just a lot of technology that's been here that uh, it surpasses what we ever assumed it could be here. So some of these ancient beings, a mess with the DNA of different beings, different primates, troglodytes, basically, some of them that's, I know, maybe gorillas or you know, some type of a ape of some type that created the Bigfoot. Well, they were, I think, experimenting with a lot of things that are on this planet, a lot of species that are on this planet, and uh, maybe to hybridize their species to this, acclimate, acclimate their species to this, uh, to this atmosphere. Okay. And and I, I think there's humans out there that are probably part alien too. Right, well, if you really want to get into it, we're part alien. Something <laughs> created us, right? Yeah, something did. <laughs> something did create us. And that, and you, you're. I, I feel this going in a direction that I, I'm in a very similar camp. Um, I believe yes, not all these things are the same, but I think that there is a common thread for everything. I think everything is connected. 
um, some people might, some people in other cultures too may have other names for the same things or won't want to give a title to, to different beings or whatever. But I, I feel like everything is connected. Um, and I've heard you on other shows and stuff too, talking about the, the possible Nephilim remnant connection for Bigfoot. Um, and that goes into, you know, the biblical theory. But for others, going into the Paraka skulls and alien influence, that gets into the ancient astronaut theory, right? Uh, so aliens in, in these two camps, aliens would be in one, fallen angels would be in the other. And for me, aliens and fallen angels are pretty much the same thing. I agree. Um, I, I don't think God is a quote unquote alien. I don't think he looks like a gray. I feel <laughs> like that we throw different titles on different things, you know, um, I, I, I lean hard into the, the biblical supernatural biblical worldview that these fallen angels, they bred with human women, hybridized the human race into these Nephilim creatures. They corrupted the human genome, the human bloodline, the messianic bloodline, trying to stop the, you know, the coming of Christ. I don't know why aliens would come down and hybridize unless they just wanted to take over the planet. But I think it's a, it's the same, it's the same things, just two different perspectives as to what they are. Are, are you on the same, same yes. boat? Okay. Well, this, the one thing that you, I think the, the oneness that was also part of is the uh, collective consciousness that's out there. Let's call it God. It's one massive consciousness. And I think all frequential beings, high frequency beings, all the way into what we are, third, third dimensional beings, are a part of that consciousness. We have to just have to wake up to it and connect to it. And that's what Christ talked about. It's being one with the Father as he's one with the Father. And we're all going to become one. We are one. We just got to understand that that's everything about this whole universe is within each of us. We just, we just aren't connected with it. Somehow I think <clears throat> these Bigfoot creatures have evolved a little bit more maybe be given the uh something in their dna by an alien well i'm gonna call them fallen angels if you want me to whatever they're they're also i think part of some of them are anunnaki's uh, the the anunnaki beings that were fallen angels mm -hmm. that went against god's god's orders right and they they are responsible for the first known human language or first known language given to the Sumerians, Babylonians, and those in the Mesopotamian era. And that's the cuneiform text. You know, if you get into that, you see where uh, a lot of things, our history is in the Bible, even ever all religions come out of that same language. Uh, and uh, it's it's the language that everyone was using until, until languages were disturbed and changed around. Even in Egypt, they were using, when it was basing their language on the cuneiform text. And uh, you find out that Abraham and Sarah, you know, when they went into, they were raised in the Sumerian uh, culture, and they would have probably brought with them stories from the cuneiform text, and that's where I think our Bible comes from. Of course, a lot of it, I think, has been looked at and, and told uh, from the Hebrews and the Jews uh, to get it to where it is now, and how it was originally. Uh, I know a lot of people want to go word by word, but I found through my research that a lot of the words in there have been misinterpreted. And that's just a fact. Uh, 
Uh, so I, I started working deeper and deeper and find out the core of those words and what they really mean. And you get into E-L-O-H-I-M, e and that's the word they use for God. Right. However, if you get into the cuneiform text, it's always in the plural. Now that'll throw a curve into religions, you know. Right. <clears throat> so what, is, what does that mean? The Elohim, if they were, if it was uh, written by the Anunnaki, <coughs> excuse me, which it was, uh, who were the Anunnaki? All right, they were the fallen angels, the ones that didn't obey, and they were bound to the earth, but they were responsible for a lot. It's gone for eons and eons. Some people want to put in a capsule of just so many years, but right. we're talking about hundreds of thousands of years sometimes. Right. And they want to say theirs was, <laughs> I've heard some people swear it down, theirs was created in six days. Well, I never did fall with me. You know, I just, you see, uh, Al Berry, a guy I mentioned earlier, he was a geologist also, and master geologist. And uh, we, we went all over the country looking at different stuff. And, you know, he's seen that stuff that I'd flown over in Nazca down in Peru. Right. Flown over those Nazca lines and, he looked at one of those mountains. He said, you know, there should be some slough off there where it was leveled because it's an airstrip up there, you know. No, there's no airstrip. I mean, there's no there's no remnants of everything ever being sloughed off. And he said, where'd they do the dirt? Where'd it go? Right. Well, you know, you know, things have gone on that we just haven't got a clue. Well, we got a clue, but where it's all speculation. Yeah. And that's where we're at today is speculating on what Bigfoot could be, what what uh, the aliens are, I think they're around uh, as it was in the days of Noah, so it's all to be in the second coming. Well, here we are. Here we uh, are. Aliens are here. They're coming here in and out. People are spotting UFOs. Even the government acknowledges now, yeah, UFOs are out there. UAFs, they call them now, unidentified aerial phenomena. Mm -hmm. And uh, giants are here, right? Right. 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 Uh, you got so many things pointing towards uh, it's the times that we're in is going to be very interesting for younger people. I hope I see it, but uh, I'm seeing more and more, but uh, men your age and, you know, are going to probably see some very interesting stuff that may not be pleasant. It might be okay. Yeah. I have a feeling things are going to get kind of wild in the next 10 years or so. I agree I with you. Yeah. And technology, I think that, yeah. AI and technology. Is yeah, really. It's AI. <laughs> With, with the deep fake technology they have, you know, they could put your face on my body or vice versa. And it's seamless, you know, so you can't really believe what you're seeing. Right. You know, on, on the computer or whatever anymore. And that, that makes it harder. Well, you don't know what to believe. Right. And I feel like the government, you know, if they're saying that we have aliens visiting, we have UAPs, we have UFOs. You know, I have a hard time buying into everything the government tells us. Um, <laughs> Good for you. You know, you know what I mean. I mean, I'm a vet. I, I worked for them. I know how dirty, I know how dirty some of the things can get, and how political things are. But uh, I feel like if they're open to saying, "Sure, yeah, it's it's UFOs, it's UAPs, it's aliens, or something," we don't know who they are or what they want. That's a that's a good way to distract us from what it really is that they just can't admit. And that's, you, you know, if they can't control it, Bo, they won't, they won't admit it. They've right. got to control it or they make fun of it or discard it or something like that. But they are allowing us to know and understand and giving us so much, just feeding us so much yeah. that they think we can handle. Yeah. That's why you see movies coming out with 
stuff like that in it, you know, where people are acknowledging that all over the place. A lot of these whistleblowers are coming forth and starting to talk about it because it's unclassified now, a lot of it is. And uh, they're inundating us to, when it does happen, we won't be so shocked. Yeah, it's a soft disclosure. Yes. But they won't call it, you know, God. They won't call it, you know, the the days of Noah. You know, the the government won't say those things. I, I feel like we're we're at the point in in our in our worldview, in our world, in, in our country, that they're not going to give credit to God. They're not they're not going to say, <clears throat> you know, these are the fallen angels. These these are the return. We're working for this Luciferian agenda or whatever. You know, it's it's like a, a true good versus evil battle. Until they expose themselves and come out, you know, the aliens, and really do something significant where right. the, there's no way they can get out of it right. worldwide, uh, that's the only way it's going to get acknowledged. And, uh, you know, they've got to understand their consciousness and who we are as human beings are, are very special. Yes. We are. We're created in the, in the image of something very high, high frequency. And when you get into everything's energy, frequency, and vibration, we're in the third dimensional environment. That's why. Only thing you can see is based on the Tony physics, everything being physical material or measurable, predictable. Well, that's not true in quantum physics. And as uh, Edgar Mitchell said, it takes classical and quantum sciences together to have clear perception. Well, these guys knew. Einstein knew, Bohr knew, uh, Schrodinger. These different physicists from 100 years ago were getting into all this stuff. And we're into it again now. But so much of that just gets by people. They don't want to try to understand it because they only want to believe what they can see. But they need to understand that there's things out there that you don't see that it does exist. You understand our light frequency is only between 430 and 770 terahertz. So that's the frequency. Everything's a frequency. Everything. Us, table, everything. Micro, everything. And if that's all we can see, all these other frequencies are out there that we're not seeing. And that's where people, I think, are seeing ghosts. They're seeing things. That all of a sudden, it's not there. Uh, <clears throat> does Bigfoot disappear? Can he disappear? Well, Al Berry, the reporter we took in, like I say, he had a master's degree in science. He says, stay with science. Whatever you do, stay with science when you talk to people. So quantum science is the answer, but you have to conceive it. You can't tell somebody how far it is to the end of the universe. Think about that, can you? Right. Well, so you have to just believe it. it can't be an end to it and conceive it. You can't understand it in our third dimensional environment. So we have to raise our, our frequency as a human race. We have to get into what Christ talked about and get, get higher frequency. And you do that through love and compassion. And if you if you start living that life of love and compassion, you'll 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 raise your personal vibrational frequency. First thing you know, you'll be able to to catch on to these other things that we're all made to have mm. and that's what christ had he had stuff and we're supposed to be like that in fact we're supposed to be able to do what he did but i can't make i can't make wine and water into wine <laughs> <laughs> i can't walk on water either yeah no not yet but I, <laughs> I, I love how you can you say it like it's so nonchalant that you can marry you know Christianity, the biblical worldview, theology, whatever you want to call it, with science and with you know quantum mechanics, you 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 could just bring it together, and I think that's the way it was supposed to be, right? It is that way. That's what the older guys were. I say, old guys. That's what Einstein could understand yeah. how how something like that could be. But the math says it is. There's eleven, uh, ten dimensions existing. The fourth dimension is time. 
I think that's where you see ghosts. Uh, I think because some people are be able to reach into that with a higher frequency, and, and but all those frequencies are within us. And according to Stephen Hawkins, for Einstein, energy which we're made of cannot die; it can only change forms. So right. religious people are going to say, "Well, I'm going to go to heaven when I change forms," because you're going, your consciousness leaves you, but your embodiment is going to pass on. It's going to stop. You know, it's just going to go away into the dust. Right. However, our consciousness. It's, it's fast. It, it's not controlled by the speed of light. It's not part of that. Uh, what we have as human beings is very, very special. And I think if we understand that, that that's starts us on the way of being what we're supposed to be as, as human beings. Mm-hmm. And we're very, like I say, very special. We're made very special. And the image is something very special. These other aliens are not that way. Right. I think the, uh, the Anunnaki, the good ones, even the bad ones, have that high frequency high frequency i think a lot of them have been found to the earth and they're in uh, <clears throat> underground sometimes a lot of the bigfoots i think are staying underground and uh or they cloak can anything cloak well yeah i mean people say oh nothing can just disappear well they don't know what's really going on outside the parameters outside your parameters according to dr dirac in uh, at, uh, uh florida 1933 won the Nobel prize for antimatter showing mathematically how energy changes into matter and einstein and Dirac both said energy and matter are interchangeable well if you can see something and it can change into energy and that was proven by cern in 2012 by the way hydra kyder and um, that would that would that would mean they could disappear out of your parameters of vision and that's not hard to understand i don't think right if you understand science and that's the quantum science or that well the frequencies in quantum science—that's a fact. You know, we only see and only hear. We don't hear. We don't hear ultrasound or infrasound, but they can affect us. Um, but we. Let me add. Yeah. Uh, because it, I, I'm with you, and then it starts to get like, I start thinking, and then it's just over me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, how do we raise frequency? Is it literal vibration? Like, yeah. do we speed up molecular structure to the point where it breaks <clears throat> apart and then just yeah. disappears? But how you do that is what most people want to know. Right. You do that through treating everything. Don't don't be a victim of any circumstance because we're here for a reason. We're here for the experience. Don't be a victim. Take good out of everything and, and react to it. But react to this old lady that couldn't move when the light turned green because she doubled her medication. Don't have compassion for her. Amen. You know, don't get mad at her. Don't go right. flipping people off in the driveway <laughs> and stuff like that. You don't. Love and compassion. That's what our masters taught. That's what we're supposed to be like. If we start treating everything with love and compassion, you know, you're going to raise your personal vibration. And that just does it. Meditate. You know, learn to meditate. I believe, and I write about this in my book, The Quantum Bigfoot, the pineal gland up here is a receptor, I believe. It connects to the heart brain, and the heart has a brain, by the way. And that heart brain has to be in coherence with the brain up here. What we are is we're, most of us are a little disconnected, but if you meditate and just be still and listen and try to receive things your heart will grab it and it'll tell your brain to go right instead of left even though your <clears throat> your brain would take to go over here a lot more money to be made over here a lot more ego to be had over here go over here oh yeah but but the heart says go over here if something needs to be done over here if you all follow your heart you're always going to be right yeah. and that's how you're going to raise your frequency yeah and, I, uh, I love that because it's it's making sense I don't know how the audience is going to respond, but for me, you, it's explaining things for me because I, 
I have, uh, I try to have a, a very healthy prayer life. I'm trying to pray. I spend a lot of time in the word and in prayer. And a lot of times, Ron, while I'm praying, if my eyes are open, I see these things in my peripheral, mm. you know, and that would make sense if I'm, if I'm raising my frequency, if I'm going higher, I'm going to see things that I couldn't see before. See, we're all heading outside of this third dimensional environment sooner or later. <clears throat> right. And our consciousness is going to leave. Where it goes after that is, is it stuck in the fourth dimension? Well, we all have choices. I think the fourth dimensional things, which that's where some people are seeing ghosts every once in a while, you know, right? Um, because they, they're making their decision where to come back and try to respond to some things they did wrong to try to elevate themselves. Uh, you know, most of the aliens, I believe, are in the fifth dimension. Some will go to the sixth. And that's that's this frequential frequency. Okay. And and the I think what what ELM was, well, is the ninth dimensional entities, and that's what we're created in the image of, <clears throat> and that's the consciousness of God. Yet some of them fell out of that, and uh, they're still here today. Yeah. If you're like me and you like to go camping, hiking, hunting. Um, just be prepared in general, then uh, I recommend you check out Squatch Survival Gear. Their packs are 100% made in America. Each component on the packs are American-made. It's a veteran-owned company out of Texas. Um, it's my buddy Chris. He started this out of personal experience. Um in his military service, he, he fashioned these packs, you know, off of packs that he used that he had to modify to make them something that uh, is more more convenient, easier to carry, less of a load on your body, and the, let the pack do the work. They're amazing. I own two. I have the, uh, the Rock Ape and the Mothman pack. I love them. They're the best bags I've ever had in my life. These bags... Are bomb proof. I, I I've never seen anything like it. Plus, they're comfortable. When I have them on, I can carry around. I can hike with 25, 30 pounds, and it it doesn't strain my body. The pack does the work. Um, you have to see them for yourself. So go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com to check them out. If you decide to to purchase one of these bags, use my promo code. It's twenty three bump this year. Okay, it's twenty three. B-U-M-P. Use that promo code and it'll save you 15% site-wide. These, these are packs of all sizes. You know, if you want something, you know, small, everyday carry, or if you want some kind of a uh, go bag, like uh, I'm not coming home bag, he's got them. Check them out. SquatchSurvivalGear.com, promo code 23BUMP. Now, I don't know how we would get in there and stay in those other dimensions. But isn't it somewhere, and I I can't quote you the, the, the book and verse, but doesn't it say somewhere in there in the Bible that um, the angels, quote unquote angels, they're celestial beings, because I know there's different orders of all that too, that they are slightly higher than man. They were, they're made slightly higher. That is that a wink at higher frequency, you know? Uh, yeah, I think it is, because man, man is in the third dimension, so... Yeah, everything, those things are outside outside the frequency that we are. But I think some of them are allowed to come into our frequency. And uh, uh, 
that puts them in, in our environment. But once they're in our environment, they, things are going to happen to them just like happened to us. They're not careful, but excuse me. Uh, different aliens have different frequencies. Several different types have been here, and I right. think there's oodles and gobs of different life forms out there in the universe that well, sure. we have no idea how much is going on out there. Right. Uh, we should think we were the center of the universe. Well, <clears throat> this Earth is very important. Yes. <clears throat> I think it's probably the center of the solar system for sure. Right. It's got everything the other planets don't have right now. <clears throat> it's got water. It's got plant. It's beautiful. This this planet is beautiful. And what are we doing? We're destroying it. I find more and more Bigfoot reports around uh, lumberjacks that are cut, clear cutting timber and stuff because these things don't like that. Right. And I just talked to a guy the other day who's who witnessed. Uh, he talked to seven different men who were clear cutting and uh <clears throat> they saw this bigfoot walking down towards him and uh just tromping down there and he just looked at him disgusted and just took off well <laughs> they don't like that I've, I've talked to so many people over the years that that have encounters or have sightings when they're clear cutting or doing something to the earth right uh, a friend of mine todd niece who who was in the military who did some, doing some demolition work back on some uh, timber company who had permission they were blowing up some things and all he saw three of them standing there just looking like this you know uh he's he's credible and uh, several of the guys saw that i'm just saying that there's a lot going on that right people think oh well, i had an aunt she could not believe these things could exist she said Oh, if they were there, our government would know about it. Well, yeah, our government does know about it, but they yeah. don't want to tell us because they can control it, you know, because they go in and out of our perception, just like, you know, like an alien spaceship, all of a sudden it's gone. Well, how do they do that? Yeah. yeah. As you speak, you, you, you fire things into my mind, you know. <laughs> Good. Uh, like Native American culture, you know, the, oh. the folklore, that they're, you know, some, I mean, I'm not going to lump all of them together. That would be horrible, but some cultures believe that these were spirits of the woods, right? Spirits of the forest protectors. Wouldn't that make sense that we see them today clear cutting and stuff, and they're there to show disapproval, you know, that they're, they're still in that protective role. And the connection that that would have also, there's how many reports of aliens flying over a nuke base and shut yeah, off all nuclear capability. I want my, uh, Pop my earplug cord. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I say that, that that would also tie in to the similarity of aliens flying over a nuke base. Oh. Hang on a minute. Shouldn't wrap that cord up so tight. Oh, you're good. Yeah, I was in. Uh, oh, wait. I'll do the thing off later here. Glasses for one. Uh, can you hear me yes sir here you fine. i was in portlock alaska uh 21 uh, a series of discovery channels that took me up there to uh be the bigfoot guy because he sings i don't know if you've ever heard portlock or not but it's where the 80s uh, in 19 late 1940s uh, all got freaked out because some bigfoot type monster was was uh was killing their people and oh, wow. uh, they lost over 30 people in their village they just evacuated it in 1949 i think it was 1950 
anyway, they wanted to rehabituate it. And it's all history. It's not some story that goes on. It's all written about in books and newspapers and everything else, 1940s. And it's poor Lock, Alaska. It's out of Homer, uh, southeast. And uh, they flew me in there by helicopter and uh, landed there and met with the filming crew and the, the local natives that wanted to, four of them that wanted to see what it's like to, if they could rehabituate it because they didn't want to come in there and get killed because too many people get mangled and, and uh, turn up dead and missing. So uh, when I flew over in the helicopter, I looked at it uh, very thoroughly, fairly thoroughly. And I noticed where years ago, uh, it had been timbered quite heavily. Mm. And uh, I got a feeling these things were just encroaching on their, on their too much property there. Cause, right. uh, and uh, it was also overfishing. I think I've seen some pictures where the fishing was phenomenal. I mean, they just racking them in there, a big fishing village. And they wanted to do it again. And they wanted to know if it was safe to do it again. So it doesn't put me on the spot, does it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Their whole culture, their whole way of life is going to depend on what you say. My, well, I doubt it would, but I, I tried to influence them the best way I thought was right. And what I thought was right is the timbering through these things occur. And they, I got to tell you, something 12, 15 feet tall, that's how big they are up there. Oh I've heard other reports in Alaska that size too. They're huge. Uh, came out of the woods screaming at them because they were cutting too many trees down. Well, chances are they'd have shot at them. Yeah. Yeah. That would piss anything off. Wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So that could be one of the issues. I said, just respect the property. If you come back, I suggest coming back without a filming crew and just come back, you know, three of you or four maybe, and just stay here for a while and, and uh, let them know that you, you're okay with this, you know, that you're not going to encroach on them again. And anyway, that's, that was my advice. That's all I could say. I can't say it's safe or not safe because some of these things may have an agenda to just kill people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And that uh, would worry me too. I mean, that, the fallen angels, they didn't come down here loving us, right? <laughs> right. So if they're related, it would kind of be in their uh, desire in that wheelhouse to... Well, here's what I think, too. I think a lot of these things from old, way old, have been bred with native indigenous people. And uh, I think the crossbred made some of them more human-like than others. Yeah. And that's why you find some of them that I think are friendly and uh, want to be friends with us. And I think that's what we're dealing with up there, maybe. Uh, so you, you find it, how could uh, the Nephilim survive the deluge? Well, that's an easy question, easy answer anyway. If they could do it once, they could do it again, right? right. All free, for all that free will. So I think a lot of the uh, Anunnaki probably either took off or went underground uh, prior to the deluge. Yeah. And uh, there's underground cities you find all over Turkey, <laughs> right? different places, yeah. underground cities. I mean, not just... Uh, room, but I'm talking about underground city that house thousands of people. Uh, there's a lot of underground networking going on yeah. uh, that has gone on before. And I yeah. think possibly if these things are interdimensional, Bigfoot, if they can go, if they can change their energy, their matter into energy, like I propose, that would cause them to appear like they're cloaking out of our perception of uh, frequency. And uh, they can go out of your sight. And if they can do that, if they jar energy only, they could go underground right. through the ground through rocks through trees just like we will do once our consciousness leaves our body yeah but then they have to have the frequency and may be able to cause the frequency to get back in their body uh, i that's possible according to quantum physics yeah that, that's that's the part that 
that escapes me is the how. You know, how can they raise their vibration and lower it uh, in such a fine-tuned way to to manifest, basically, uh, yeah. to be to be dense enough to leave three tracks but not a fourth track. You know, yeah. Uh, even uh, was it uh, Fred Beck who supposedly uh, shot one in 1934 or 24? Yeah. He followed the track. I read his story. They followed a trackway in the in the mud, I guess it was. He said for it to not leave another track that they stopped, they would have had to jump 160 feet. Right. Well, what happened? <laughs> Some people say, well, when a trackway disappears, a helicopter must have picked them up. You know, <laughs> I don't think so. I think they can change their matter into uh, energy. And by doing that, they also lose their density. They're not weighing anymore, so they're going to leave a track. Right. And that's I, how that hits. That puts a whole new meaning to quantum leap, don't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, there's so much that we have to learn, and we're learning. And it's just fun, really. This this stuff like I'm here with you today, but it's just fun. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I, I'm having a good time. It is fun. And it, it, it takes someone like like you, Ron, that has an open mind. And it's not afraid to to go in and out of different camps. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're not bound to this box. I don't think we have to be in different camps. I don't either. You know, <laughs> uh, so yeah, like I said at the beginning, Albert or uh, Edgar Mitchell said it, it takes classical and quantum sciences together to have pure perception. Right. And the back of my quantum book, Quantum Bigfoot. It says bringing science and spirituality back together because you take Einstein, Tesla, these these guys, they studied the Veda, you know, which is the Hindu Absolutely. from from the uh, cuneiform text. And you get into cuneiform text where all languages came from, even our current day Bible came from that. Uh, it's just how people are putting it together in different stories. Because uh, I was brought up to think that it's only 6,000 years old. I was raised religiously. And I, I read the Bible a lot, and uh, I, I think you got to put that stuff together with what's, what other history books say. And when you get into how things are interpreted, first thing that took me to it was I always got stumped on this thing. It's easier for a rich man to go through a camel to go through the eye of a needle, right? Right. And it's a rich man to go. Well, you look up the word for camel in Hebrew; it's the same word as rope. Well, that makes sense, don't it? <laughs> yeah, that, that makes more sense to go through eye of a needle, a rope. Right. Well, there, well, that makes more sense. I've been told, well, that's when a camel had to yet take everything off its back and had to squat down and go through this place. And I never have found that, that doorway that it's supposed to go through, you know. Right. So, anyway, that took me on a journey of uh, getting a Hebrew translator, then going from Hebrew. Yes. You know, you got to get into other things deeper and deeper. And it's just fun learning that stuff, you know. It really is. And that there's another, uh, there's a guy, Dr. Michael Heiser. Are you familiar with Dr. Heiser's work? Heiser or Hines? Heiser. Heiser? Yeah. I don't think so. He uh, he has written several books. Um, the Unseen Realm, uh, Supernatural. He has books on angels. He has books on demons. But he's he's got doctorates or masters in uh ancient language you know he he knows the the greek you know the ancient hebrew ancient greek and he went through seminary so he sees this and he he's going through seminary school you know and he's hearing them translate or them talk about this and that and he knows it's not correct 
So he has devoted his life to explaining things, you know, the supernatural worldview of the Bible. And it's opened so many things for a lot of people. And I, I would recommend you check out some of his works. It, I think you would, it would be right up your alley, man. I think you would, I think you and Dr. Heiser would be like amigos. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've heard I'm right online with uh, this. Uh, uh, what's his name there? Uh, I want to say uh, Sketchum. It's not Sketchum. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. You know, no, my brain's not working like it should. <laughs> I got a good memory, just not as long as it used to be. <laughs> Stitching. Stitching. That's Stitching. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of him, but I'm not familiar with his work. I'm, you know, I got his book, but I never read it. And my daughter's got it now. And uh, I've never read it. But everybody says, well, you're thinking just like Stitching did. Well, I don't know that. You know, I just know I'm thinking how I. Uh, brought to me to think about you know what what a research is what I get hungry for and yeah. and if you get hungry for something you should eat it. <laughs> now, you said something very interesting that you think and you've come to believe that these things interacted with you at that time, almost like a uh, like a destiny, right? Like they, it was for you to dig into this for for it to be a revelation uh, those are my words not yours but revelation for you to to understand and take well, to step out like this and to yeah. try to look into it because it, it just gets you i mean imagine being around these things for this like the time you're still trying to nail jello to the wall you know you can't, <laughs> can't fit it and uh, <clears throat> yeah and it just uh it's led me into where i'm at now with my thinking which we never thought like this before Right. Yeah, I wonder how many times they might have been cloaked around us up there why we didn't see them more often, but we right. didn't. And Madonna saw them three times, but Warren Johnson and I think Lewis or Larry, his son, uh, saw them once. I've only seen them once. Yeah. And same with Bill. And that's when we were outside that night when I was interacting with it. I heard that. Uh, what, did you, what did you see exactly? Well, it's, it's, it's coined as a samurai cry. And it, it's yeah. this thing screaming and you see it running down uh, on the moonlit night through the trees, just breaking through the, like it's floating down to these other two uh, adolescents and the mother we think down there. And they're the one that were chattering with me back and forth. Someone's up here watching me. The male, we think it's the male. <coughs> big voice, big voice. And, oh, yeah. And you hear this little voice. I got this on my, uh, on a link in my first book, The Voices of Wilderness. Uh, I got 24 sound bites in there that uh, when I write about the sound that I'm hearing, you can play the sound on the link that I provide, wow. and it's uh, it's it's. I used to send a CD out with that, but I couldn't get anybody to pack it, so I had to turn it over to Amazon and just <clears throat> put it as a link, you know. Right. So that's what we're doing now, and people can hear the sound I'm talking about. It's my chronicle. <coughs> there I go again. That's voices in the wilderness. Yeah, and the other uh, one's the, the quantum Bigfoot. Yeah, that that's the one I got. I got copy of it right here oh yeah you do um quantum bigfoot i've read through it it's probably been been a couple of years yeah, it's probably been two years ago that i read through it a year and a half maybe but i thoroughly enjoyed it like i said parts of it got a little little deep for me but talking to you i i can i can't look at the book and say why how you know but in this conversation i'm like well how does that happen do you literally you know raise the vibration to to raise the frequency you know we can have a a, a back and forth and it, it helped out a lot 
Uh, but this book explains it. <clears throat> you just got to, it's not a, a fast read for me. It's a sit there and actually apply yourself to the book while you're reading it. You know what I mean? Well, like I was, I talk about how I've been in so many churches doing different things, just saying in, in ministry in churches and you see these people praying for other people, but they don't get healed. Right. You wonder why. Because this intention has to go along with that. It has to come from all this stuff that I was talking about earlier, balancing, you know, balancing your chakras. Like, you know, some people think yoga is evil or something like that, but no, it's just balancing your body. Uh, China, China's done that for ages, you know, and Qi, uh, getting everything right. And for us, uh, little people here, we get your pina fan coherent with the heart, the heart coherent with the brain. So your brain will be guided by your heart. And that way you'll be making the right decisions. Treat everything with love and compassion as Christ taught us. And we will be elevating ourselves as we go. Wow. I, I, I love talking to you, Ron. It's, it's <laughs> like, it's like, come on, talk about Bigfoot and these, these weird screams in the woods. And we sit here and talk about love and compassion. That's, <laughs> that's what it's about, man. But you're right. It, it is. Yeah, that's what life's about experiences. So that's why I said also don't, don't treat yourselves as a victim of anything because somewhere along the line, you needed that to respond to it properly. When people go through life and just hurting everything, killing everything, and then they die, you wonder, you know, what's happening? Are they just been waiting up there for hell? Uh, or what's really going on? Do they have another chance? Now, you get into a lot of uh, religions, and I was taught, no, reincarnation don't exist, but a lot of religions around the world teach multiple embodiments so you can respond to the wrong that you've done. Because God is love, and it says that in the Bible, First John. God is love, and how can loving God send anybody to? Because all this is supposed to be renewed, right? Right. I always ask, who's going to be in charge of hell? But anyway, uh, <clears throat> you get to you get the chance again, come back in multiple embodiments. I that's my off the wall thing. From I'm with you. Uh, it's just you. You gotta you gotta balance your karma. <laughs> You know, when you do something wrong to somebody, somewhere along the line, you got to pay for it or make it right. Yeah. And uh, that's where I go with it. And sometimes you get you get a multiple chances because if energy can't die, it was never created. How does that work? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, we've been coming back for eons. You know, yeah. just graduating, getting better each time until we're now we're in the final cycle of of this twenty six thousand years. And I agree with that. My wife and I were talking about that out in the garage right before I got on here with you. It's probably about the time you were sending me an email like, hey, where's the link? We were we were talking about reincarnation and how, you know, I've I've thought for years that we're reincarnated until we reach this enlightenment. What is enlightenment? I think it's to know Christ. Uh so yeah. once we once we experience <clears throat> that and we live in love. And we walk mm -hmm. in the spirit, then we can be done. Then we can reach paradise. But until exactly. then, I think it's rinse and repeat, man, <laughs> until you get it right. Until you get it right. We got to get it right or you're going to yeah. repeat it. Yeah. And uh, repeat the opportunity anyway. So we're here for the experience. So all we treat all experiences. There's no such thing as losing. You either learn something or you win. I, I tell my grandson that, you know, when he's playing football, okay. you're not going to lose anything. You're going to learn something if you don't win, but you're going to learn something. Or you're going to win. I love that. Either way, you win. So, I, I'm, yeah, I'm actually going to apply that to my life, Ron. <laughs> you know, I, I I teach a high school class. It's a future leaders program, and I think that is going to be 
something that I implement into a whole lesson plan. You just you are a, a treasure. You know that. Oh, thanks, bro. I no, I, I mean that. Yeah, apart from you know everything about Bigfoot and how you know people have come to know you as that you know the the Bigfoot pioneer. Just your thought process. I value what you have to say, and I I want you to know that you truly are wonderful. Well, thank you. I'm humbled. You know, I just want what I think I know to get out, and I hope it gels with some people, and I hope it gels with a lot of people, really. Yeah. Because I, I think the message I have is what a lot of old masters have taught for a long time, and that's love and compassion and, and treat everything with respect. I think if we could, the whole world could do that, uh, you know, the world would be a much better place. Because <laughs> this whole earth is living, you know, it's got to, uh, it's got to get out of the third dimension, this earth. Amen. And it's I... only going to do that with the people that's on it, start helping it. And start stop killing each other, hurting each other, and doing wrong. You know, it's just war. I, I don't still like to see. I seen a movie last night we started watching, and I should have stopped watching it when we see what it was all about. But it's about war, World War II, and a little bit. And I got thinking, man, these people are just killing each other, you know, and that doesn't help anything. Right. And yet, there's so many. We're a warring culture. We're a warring yeah. humanity's warring, and we got to change that and change our processes, how we do things. I agree with that 100%. And that, you know, that changes the whole outlook of what it takes to be a man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think so. We're not here to be macho and be the <laughs> baddest. We're here to love each other like brothers. Yeah, and uh, I can't let our ego get in the way. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, that's what, that's what, I've watched these uh, different movie stars, you know, dressing so fancy and doing all this stuff. Here I am with a hat on, but that's just because that's all what people recognize. That's right. <laughs> I don't have my hat on, right? I love it. <laughs> but it's just a piece of clothing, you know. Uh, I, uh, I I think that's the demon we all have within us. If we're not careful, I mean, I shouldn't just call it demon, but just right. I write a chapter about that. Two minds. You know? Man can serve two masters. We're either going to serve our ego or we're going to serve the Christ in us. If we all have the Christ in us, we just have to get to it and recognize it and establish it within our being. <clears throat> Jesus was a man. Christ was the essence. There. <laughs> I've absolutely loved talking to you. Um, before we go, can you just tell everybody where they can? I know it's super easy, but can you tell everybody where to find your stuff, where to get a hold of you at? Uh, yeah, uh, ronmorehead.com simple m-o-r-e-h-e-a-d i know she just got my first name down there but it's yep. m-o-r-e-h-e-a-d i'll be one with two o's in there that don't work <laughs> or my facebook is ronald j dot forehead and uh I'm, I'm easy to find my cds which i've uh, I produced two cds with the sounds on them and narrated one by me and one by jonathan craig's star trek next generation I've written two books, uh, Voices in the Wilderness and The Quantum Bigfoot. And I've been selling crazy, those Quantum Bigfoots. I mean, people <laughs> order them a lot. And uh, I like that. I've got a conference coming up the 1st of April in uh, Him, Himlet, um, uh, Hamlet, Hamlet, North Carolina. Okay. Another one in Florida, Ocala, Florida, uh, in, uh, later that month. 
And uh, I believe my calendar, what else I got going on? Another one down in Nashville somewhere online. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Ron, it's been a pleasure having you. I'll put uh, the link to your website in the show notes so people can go right there and find it. Thank you. But uh, again, thank you. Thank you for coming on and just having a conversation with me. Oh, thanks, Bo. I enjoy it a lot. Uh, hopefully we can do this again in the future, but in the meantime, like, I'm, writing, I'm, writing, I'm writing another book. I hope to have it out the first part of the year. So. Really? Yeah, it'll be a takeoff with this one. And, uh, oh, fantastic. Can, it can gets you into how I think some of this stuff works. It goes because each time we go, we learn more, and I've learned more since I wrote the quantum book, you know, just yeah. how it really works because everything's energy, frequency, vibration, bottom line. <laughs> bottom and that's, line. that's Tesla. And that's it gets into three, six, and nine, you know, his equation. If you want to understand the universe, understand three, six, and nine. Finish that book, please. I'll I give you the key to that if you want to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, we're in the third dimension. We go to the sixth dimension before you create. You do this all in your head, by the way, all inside of you. Elevate yourself to the sixth dimension. And you go to the ninth dimension to be who we're supposed to be, children of light. And God is light. <clears throat> Christ was light. You find out the meaning of light. I got a whole chapter on light and sound, how important it is. <clears throat> anyway, but even Satan was called the shiny one, right? Yes, he was. <laughs> and so was the uh, Anunnaki. They were the shiny ones. Wow. See? <laughs> it goes on and on. <laughs> <laughs> Finish that book. If you have a, a manuscript, I want it. You know what I mean? I, I want to I read this. I want to get into that that brain <laughs> well thank you for that hey, thank you ron I'll, I'll talk to you again i hope you'll come back on the show sometime when you get that next book out okay we'll we'll, we'll dig into it together okay thank you all right thank you god bless god bless you take care you too
That's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want more content, if you want to submit your own story to be on the show, if you want to listen to past episodes, or if you want to donate to the show, you can do all of that through thebumppodcast.com. So just go there, uh, explore the website, check it all out. If you want to sign up to be a member, it's super cheap. It's just $1.75 a week. You can cancel at any time. Get in on... uh, all the the new latest and greatest stuff we have going on. All right, so again, thanks for listening. I love you. God bless.
personally ready to submit your life to God and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The book of Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says it really simply that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. It's that simple. To be born again to start a new life as a child of God to join God's army to rise up against the evil forces that you know are all around you. You don't have to do it alone. I love you. Jesus loves you. And may God bless you.
Take it. 